Sunday morning, and uh, a lot of people aren't here on Wednesday night when we do communion, so uh, it's an important time. Amen? We just honor who he is. Amen. Let's sing. Hallelujah. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus at the center of it all, Jesus at the center of it all, from beginning to the end, it'll always be, it's always been you, Jesus, Jesus. Ushers are going to serve you communion. Jesus, be the center of my life. Jesus, be the center of my life. From beginning to the end, it will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, nothing else matters, nothing in this world will do, Jesus, you're the same.
center Jesus of my life of my we take communion this morning we thank you that we do this in remembrance of what you've done Lord and we receive by faith the promises that come from what you did there on Calvary over 2,000 years ago when you said I will give up my life that they might have life we receive that life today in Jesus name and everybody said amen, amen. you know um, we have been left an in inheritance Everybody say, I have an inheritance. You know, um, somebody has to die for there to be a release of an inheritance. An inheritance means someone uh, has passed away, and what they had has now been passed on. Everybody say, passed on to someone else. And um, I remember when my dad went to heaven, you know, um, everything that my dad had became my mother's, totally. Uh, Before, they shared that together. But then it all became my mom's. And uh, there was paperwork that had to be filled out that I had to take care of for my mom. But in that changing of the the will, the changing of, I mean, changing of the things that the will stated, then everything went into my mother's name that my dad had. Everything he had worked for, everything that he had done became totally my mom's. Uh, It didn't go to anybody else. It went to my mom. And when Jesus died... Everything that he had accomplished went to you. Everybody say, I got it. You received an inheritance. And I want to read to you just a couple of scriptures. If you'd put that up, Ephesians 11, 1. Talk, or Ephesians 1, 11 says that he died and left us. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. He left us an inheritance. Say, I have obtained it. See, this is important because when we take communion, we do it in remembrance of him, but we have to remember what it was that he did. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things. Everybody say all things according to the counsel of his will. That's a great whole series of of scriptures right there in Ephesians 1. You need to read that. Also in Colossians uh, chapter 1, 11 and 12, it repeats that. It says, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy. And then in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Everybody say, I'm qualified. In other words, when this will was read, you qualified for one reason and one reason only, because Jesus is your Savior. That's why when we take communion, we rejoice at all those benefits that God has given us. We became partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Everybody say, that's me. And so when we take communion today, um, let's focus on Psalm 103. Because 103, verse 1 through 5, I prayed this over myself 
uh, for a long time every day that I have benefits. Everybody say benefits. This inheritance entitled me to many things. A Psalm of David, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's why he said, as often as you do this, he said to his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. Remember what's been accomplished for you, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things. He gives you a good life. Amen. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now that's a lot of good things that we haven't inherited. Amen. And we didn't inherit it because we did everything right. We inherited it for one reason, because Jesus did it right. He did it right on Calvary. And so today as we partake of communion, uh, we've been sharing that series, something good is going to happen to you. We're going to talk more about that today. But the good thing is that Jesus went to Calvary to release all these good things for us. And once he died and rose again and headed into heaven to the right hand of the Father, from there, from there, he ever lives to make intercession for us. Not that, uh, not that we fail, but that we live the life that he died and gave us as an inheritance. Everybody say inheritance. I remember years ago when I turned 50, and that's your year of Jubilee, and I was thinking about inheritance, and God said, your inheritance will be souls. Do you know, he promises us souls. He uh, He promised Jesus souls. If that was his inheritance, that's our inheritance. Read it. It's in, in Psalm 3. We have an inheritance. He said, ask me, and I'll give you the nations. That's what God said to Jesus. Well, now we're a joint heir with Jesus. We are the children of God. We have an inheritance. And today we have health. We have wholeness. We have wealth. We have more than enough because he supplies everything that we have need of. Amen. So as we take this bread and we take communion today, let's, let's take not just in remembrance, but let's receive, let's receive those things that we just talked about. Let's eat together today. Lord, we receive health today. We receive healing in bodies and minds by faith because we believe you, Lord. And we do this in remembrance of all that you did. And we take our inheritance today and we receive it because I know it blesses you, Lord, when we receive what you have given to us. And the same way, let's take this cup. Now, the cup represents a covenant. And everybody say, thank God he doesn't change his mind. How many of you are glad that based on some of your things you've done or things you've said or the way you've acted that God never changes his mind about you because this covenant is not based on your performance. It's already been settled at Calvary. Amen. So let's take this and affirm again. We are in covenant with a living God. Amen. Now let's stand and sing this. Jesus be the center of your church. How many of you believe Jesus needs to be the center of the church? Worldwide, all over the world, Jesus needs to be the center of the church. Not people's opinions, not the things that that the pastor thinks or the the deacons think or it's what the word of God says. Everybody says it's what the word of God says. That's what stands forever. Amen. So let's sing it. Jesus be the center of your church. Jesus be the center of your church. Yes. 
Jesus be the center of your church. And every knee will bow, and every tongue shall confess you, Jesus. Let's sing that again and make that a statement. Jesus be the center. We declare it. Jesus be the center of your church. That's our faith today, Jesus Lord. Jesus be the center of your church. And every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess you, Jesus. 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 Father, we thank you today. That as we confess you before men and lift up your name, that you will be lifted up and you will draw all men unto yourself. I thank you that the church is about the business of the church. Lord, we're not of this world, but we are in it. We are in it to win it for you. And we thank you, Lord, as we proclaim and share Jesus and confess Jesus as Lord and Savior of this world. The only name that is mentioned that can save men. Today we mention that name. We lift up that name. Let us be uh, your glory in the earth. Let us have a light that shines so bright that the darkness of the world is overwhelmed. And we give you praise and thanksgiving for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's give God praise. And uh, we're going to make our confession and go ahead with our message. But um, for those of you that may be listening, Communion is very important in your life, and um, it's something that I heard Kenneth Copeland say, the minute I feel anything trying to get on my body, I get out communion, and I take it every, I take it in the morning, I take it at noon, I take it at night, I take it until it's gone, whatever that is, it's trying to get hold of me, you know. Everything God told us has a purpose. And when we obey, just like Kelson said, it's obedience that brings the blessing. Always. The children of Israel were always blessed when they obeyed God. Amen. Everybody say, I'm so obedient. Now, don't choke on it. Just say it one more time. I am so obedient. Hallelujah. Let's make our confession this morning. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Hallelujah. You can be seated. God is good. He knows where you're at today. And uh, we're going to have part three of this message today on authority. Everybody say authority. You know, um, when Jesus died, he had all authority, but he said, I'm giving you that authority. And so we're going to talk about that today in this series of something good is going to happen to you. Uh, in the body of Christ, we need to wake up every morning and expect something good to happen to us. You know, t- today, uh, the Panthers woke up and they believe something good is going to happen to them in the Super Bowl. Of course, it's not because uh, Danvers, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they can believe all day. No, you know, but, but Denver woke up this morning thinking something good is going to happen to me today. So, you know, how does God choose which one for something good to happen to? It's up to them. Everybody say it's up to them. It's the truth. It's up to us. If we receive something good today, it isn't, you know, what, what happens in our lives doesn't just happen. Jesus in the word of God always declared that if we believe we will 
receive. But we have to believe God is, and he is a rewarder of those who do believe. You know, uh, God himself had Joshua say, choose life. Everybody say, choose life. So he was saying, listen, both things are out there, death and life. But I'm, I'm asking you to choose life. Uh, health and sickness are both out there. Choose health. And you say, well, I, I do want to be healed. Well, then stop eating those chocolate chip cookies every night before you go to bed. Uh, you know, those kind of things I have the Lord say to me, if you think going and working out is going to cause you to lose weight, don't think about that. That's not true. What causes you to lose weight is when you stop putting something in your mouth that's going to put calories in your body that's going to cause you to gain weight. Amen. Uh, I heard Kenneth Copeland say once, I found out I had a spirit of gluttony. I kept dieting all the time. He said, you know, when I got rid of that spirit of gluttony, I lost all my weight. You know, God knows what it is in your body that causes you maybe to not function the way you're supposed to. Listen to him. He'll tell you. How many of you had God tell you some things? I darn near gave up biscuits. I'm just down to maybe one a week. Hallelujah. I'm still not in obedience, but I'm closing in on it. Hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah. How many of you know it's difficult sometimes to discipline yourself? That's the first thing we talked about. If we don't discipline ourselves, we're never going to be in line to see something good happen. Because, you know, you're going to be singing the song, nothing good is happening to me today, instead of something good is going to happen to me today. Because that's the enemy is right there wanting to offer up something that's not good for your life, just as much as God is there offering up every day for us something that is good. And then we talked about attitudes last week, which, you know, it says in the Bible in Philippians, we're to have the same attitude that Jesus had. Why is that? Because God exalted Jesus when he had the attitude that God called him to have. It says in Philippians 2, he humbled himself even to the point of death. So he resigned from his own will being done and determined from the very beginning that it would be God's will that would be done. Even though in that garden, he asked three times. You know, sometimes we do ask God, do I really have to do it this way? How many of you have thought you had a much better way to accomplish what God's asking than the way God told you to do it? I've felt that way before. But God's way is perfect. And God's way brings us through a a process of seeing things. Our perception has to be God's perception. So when we discipline ourselves to the word, then we begin to see like God sees. And so our perception becomes God's perception. And how many of you know what God sees? Everything God sees is possible. Can I say that again? Everything that God sees is possible. Do you want to see like God sees? I want to see like everything is possible with God. He said all things are possible with him. Now, they're not with men, but they are with God. So that perception that we, you know, the way we see everything has to be from an eternal perspective and not a temporal perspective perspective because the temporary things will change you know uh, when, when as you get older things begin to go a different direction down in your body you know they things you know things over time change the way we look changes that's why you don't marry somebody because they're beautiful because they may not be as beautiful later as they were today see things change everybody say things change I'm trying to give you something you can really identify with I remember my sister went once. This is a hilarious story. She went to the doctor. She said to me in Florida, I have this click in my throat. Listen. And she swallowed. Sure enough, you could hear a 
And I thought, wow, something's really wrong with her. I mean, <laughs> this is serious. And so when we got back, she went to the doctor and uh, he said, well, your epiglottis, now that's something in your throat, is really a dangling low. She said, well, what's new? Everything else on this body's going south. <laughs> Can you imagine that? After that, the doctor didn't know what to say. My sister always has some, she is a really a stand-up comedian. I don't know what happened that got her doing other things, but I'm telling you, she has me hysterical in the restaurants sometimes. Even the servers start falling apart. None of us know what to do. But, you know, we have been made to overcome. Everybody say overcome. And we are, regardless of what may be slipping or moving or changing, that does not change who we are. Because we have authority. Everybody say authority. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, if we're in authority, then the enemy is not in authority. Could I just say that again? You know, when, when you begin to think the devil is really in control here, you have taken a wrong thought. And as long as you think like that, he is going to be in control. When you change what you think, what your perception is, is no, I'm in authority. You know, Jesus had authority and what we just shared. And I shared a little bit of the message when we we're doing communion because we have an inheritance and in that inheritance are certain rights that we have, not just the healing and, and the things we mentioned, forgiveness of sins, but we have authority. And I know that because when Jesus was in the earth, he was an example in Matthew 10, chapter one and two, he gave his disciples authority. That's what it says. I give you authority to go and, and cast out devils, to heal the sick. Freely you have received, freely give. Well, what he was saying was, everything that I have, I'm giving to you now. Go and do what I did. That has not changed. That's the same message of Acts, the book of Acts, the Acts of the, of the Holy Spirit. That's what we have. And because we have that authority, we're responsible. Turn to your neighbor and say, uh-oh. You know, in the world today, everybody loves responsibility. How, how many of you know people that love to put the responsibility on somebody else and even make other people responsible for their actions? Well, I wouldn't have done that if they had not done this. I was thinking today, you know, if in this church, every one of you that have a position somewhere, you begin to pray that where you are prospers like no other business. Instead of saying, I don't know why they don't pay me more. Are you getting this? Because you have authority. If you keep saying they're not paying me well enough, they're never going to pay you enough. Because it's God who pays you. You're already looking through the wrong eyeballs. So you begin to say, I'm here to bless this place. I am here to make this place prosper. So when it's all said and done, just like Joseph, who came out of everywhere he went, he came out in authority. Everybody say in authority. In Potiphar's house, he was in authority till that woman seduced him. But that didn't stop him. He ended up in the prison. They said he gave him all authority in the prison. Then he was in the prison. Then he came up out of the prison. And Pharaoh gave him all authority. He said, I'm giving you all authority over all Egypt, only second to me in this nation will you be. You have authority. Everybody say authority. Well, how did he get that? Well, there were some things, some things that happened that he had to go through that weren't too pleasant. But in those places, now let me say this, in those places, he had authority. So whatever bad place you're in today, you have authority. Now your authority may not get you out of there, but your authority will make that place a blessing for you. Oh, I don't think you're getting this. There's not one bit of excitement in here today. Hallelujah. 
Everybody say, I'm excited. excited. It's inside me. Yeah, that's what people used to say. I'm worshiping God inside. I said, well, get off your behind and get up and worship him. Put your hands in the air. Clap. Do something. Because your outward expressions are uh, what's inside you. If I make you mad today, I can tell by the look on your face. So... You know, that same thing is going to happen when you're excited about what God has given you. So you walk around with the authority of God. Now, you're responsible to use that the way God would. You know, you know how the disciples once said, well, just burn them all up. You know, they're acting up. Let's just burn that group up and start again. No, Jesus said, you don't even know what manner of man I am. You don't know who I am. I didn't come to burn people up. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm way off my message. Hallelujah. This is so much fun. I love preaching when God just tells me what to say. Matthew 28, 18. Let's read this so you know I'm not just telling you something. This is what Jesus, it says. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Everybody say, on earth. On earth. And so when he spoke that, he went on in verse 19, and he he told them that he was giving them that authority to move out. I don't think it's Matthew 28, uh, 28, 19. Sorry, Sandy. And so when he told them to move out into the things that he'd given them to do, he was saying, I've given you authority to do this. Would Jesus send you to do something that he didn't give you the ability to do? Everybody say no. So wherever you are in your life today, you have authority, just like what he commissioned the disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what he was saying was, when you do this, do this in my name. On my, you know, on my account, not yours, on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what makes that authority operate in the earth. Because Jesus has all authority, he delegated it. Everybody say delegated. It's delegated. And the word authority means um, a high official, one vested with power. Power means the authority or the right to act, the ability to act, the capacity to act, delegated authority. Um, the power to give orders and make decisions. How many of you have ever thought, I don't know what to do? Everybody say, that's not true. That's not true. You do know what to do because you have authority and the spirit of God lives in you. I know what to do. Everybody say, I know what to do. Now, you may be here today and say, no, I don't. I don't care what you think. We're changing perception. And the word of God says you have authority and you know what to do. Because the Spirit of God lives in us, and we know what to do in a situation. It may not be what we want to do. Could I just say that? But it is what God says to do. And when we do what God says, there will be victory. The power or right to direct or control someone or something. I believe there's a lot of people in power today, in authority, in this nation, that should not be in authority. Because my Bible says, and if you'll put, I didn't give you this scripture either, Sandy, but it's Proverbs 29.2. It says, when the righteous rule, everybody say, that's me. What does it mean to rule? To have authority. To rule and, and reign in that situation. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. How many of you have seen a lot of rejoicing in the, in the newspaper, in the JNC? People are rejoicing all over Lafayette. Because so-and-so's in charge. How, how many of you know that's, that's not what people are saying? 
Uh, listen to the debates. Listen, serious year for the United States of America. Uh, we're going to start praying again on Sunday nights for this reason. The church has got to pray in the will of God. And, and you know, what's, what's said by man has no authority, but what's said by God has total authority. And so all the things that the Lord showed me that they can make as many laws as they want, but laws do not change the nature of people. What changes the nature of people are God's laws, the word of God. And so we have authority. Everybody say, I have authority. You know, uh, I used to get upset sometimes. My husband would be yelling at the television. And, uh, you know, Pastor Bill, he, he gets really, I mean, he actually gets up and starts binding what these people are saying on the television set. But the Lord told me, no, that's, that's your authority. That's what we need to do. Can you imagine if everybody who's watching debates, who's a Christian, and here's something that's not of God, gets up and say, I bind that in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that people are going to know the truth. I thank you that the truth will make this nation free. I thank you, God, that you're working in this nation. You know, instead of sitting there and saying, oh, brother, I don't even know which one I'd pick. Well, God knows knows what's going just do something about it everybody say do something about it and so in the business that that you work in and the people you influence begin to take authority over those situations because jesus says we have it now we don't have authority to make people be what we want them to be this gets real silent there see because some of you are thinking i know what i'm going to pray over them hallelujah no we have authority to speak what God says about them, which is a whole lot different than what we want to say about situations and circumstances. Um, I was thinking, you know, um, when Jesus taught the Beatitudes, you know, when he was in that place, and, and I've been to that place. I mean, what they say is that place. And uh, I was really blessed. My husband sent me a picture of Rodney, my nephew, Chris's son, reading the Beatitudes to the whole group there in Israel this past week, sitting there reading from the Beatitudes. I thought, praise Jesus. Do you know what that would do in somebody's life? See, Jesus had such authority. And when he began to speak those Beatitudes, he wasn't just saying, you might want to try this. He was saying, this is what will give you victory. This is what gives you authority. This is what gives you dominion. When somebody wrongs you and they ask for something, you not only give them what they need, you give them more than what they need. You know, you choose to treat others as you would have yourself be treated in situations and all those things that he taught. You know, when you ask God, he will give you what you have need of. When you knock, you know, God's going to, when you seek him, the door is going to be open. He's going to show you what you need. Those are the things that Jesus said. We have that same authority over every situation. And I believe there's a lot of people that are knocking on the door asking, what do we do? What do we do? And in the midst of this authority, he was persecuted. Everybody say persecuted. And uh, I was reading in this decision, if any of you want a really good magazine, this is an excellent resource. It's uh, Franklin Graham's magazine. Uh, he's on a campaign for God across America. Um, and he's, he's kicking off this tour where he goes to 50, all 50 states he'll speak in about returning to, to God and doing the right thing. And he's doing it this year. 
And there are crowds that are coming. Now, you don't read this in the newspaper. You know, this isn't like Trump or anybody else, but this is God on the move. Everybody say God on the move. This is God going around saying what he feels about the situation. But um, it's it's a really good magazine. But he had a story in there, Joe Gibbs. And uh, since this is Football Sunday, um, you know, Joe Gibbs was a coach for uh, the Washington Redskins, and he was on, he did two stints with them, and he won three Super Bowls. So he was a pretty good coach. He had a, a very good record, but he he talks about his Christianity. You know, now he owns a race car or something, and uh, in fact, his driver got really injured badly. Uh, in this last season, but he came out of it. But he's had a lot of adversity along the way. But he says adversity and testing, you see, have followed Gibbs nearly as much as his success. See, where there's success, there's going to be adversity. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want that success. So there's going to be those things we have to press through. But everybody say this, I have authority. You have authority. And Jesus had to press through a lot of things in order to accomplish what he did. We will have to too. But it says, um, he says, uh, two of those Redskins Super Bowl wins were in the seasons of 82 and 87 that they were interrupted by player strikes. Now that, that's a bad thing for a football team uh you don't want to have strikes while many other teams succumbed to the chaos the redskins thrived and this is what he said it's like that poem by rudrid Kipling that says keep your head about you when all those around you are losing theirs <laughs> how many of you think there might be a few people losing their minds right now but, but we, we keep our head. Everybody say, we keep our head. That means that regardless of all this shaking, and there is shaking, and there will be more shaking. You know, this message that I'm preaching is not saying that we're not going to have adversity and we're not going to march right through the middle of it. But it will determine our outcome if we have success or if we fail as the church. Everybody say, as the church. We have an assignment from God in this earth to bind and to loose, to bring about the healing power of God, to bring about life instead of death, to lead people to Jesus, to keep them out of hell. We have assignments from God that we're called to do. But we have to believe that something good is going to happen even in the midst of the worst things that go on. And so what he was saying was, keep your head. Everybody say, keep your head. Everybody hold on to your head. Say, stay on. Stay on on track. track. Yeah. So when everybody's losing theirs, you keep yours. That gives you a better chance. He said, I'm not saying I've always done that. But in the NFL, if you see big changes coming, you need to see it as an opportunity. Can I say that again? How many of you see changes and want to duck under the chair? I mean, get under the desk, get out of the way. No, he says, see it as an opportunity because odds, odds are if big things happen, which I believe big things are coming. I believe a revival's coming. People are coming from everywhere. Amen. When we talk about a building, you know, and all these seats aren't filled, don't be concerned about that because you don't know the hour when something's going to happen. I don't, maybe it won't be something good, but it will be good for the kingdom because God is going to explode his spirit in this earth. People are going to see the glory of God and they are going to run to Jesus. And I want a big house where we can take care of those people. And I believe God wants big houses, but I want to have them given to me. I want to pay. Hallelujah. (laughs) 
If you see big changes coming, you need to see it as an opportunity because odds are if big things happen, and they will, a lot of people are going to mishandle it. A lot of people, a lot of Christians are going to mishandle the wealth that God's bringing them. What God's looking for is the people who won't. And that's why this message of tithing, right now God's watching. I mean, it's not going to be when he gives you a million. A lot of people are waiting. I've got this big deal. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I'm telling you, it's not coming. It will not come until you show God that if it comes, it won't be yours. Can I say, well, never mind. You heard me. See, if you handle it right, you're going to get a big jump. Amen. Are you getting this today? See, authority comes after discipline, comes after attitudes. See, you can't, you can't be an authority and have a stinking attitude. You can't be an authority and not be disciplined to do what God tells you to do. That's why adversity changes you to be who you need to be when this authority is needed. And when you stand up and speak, it will be like E.F. Hutton. It will be like somebody God listens to because God will make your voice heard. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people saying a lot of things that God doesn't let people hear because their character does not match what they say. And if your character does not match what God wants to be seen about him, he will not promote. We talked about that last week. So attitudes are clearly important. This is what he says in conclusion. Regardless of whether he's celebrating or suffering, Gibbs says he begins each day by visualizing that he's putting on the whole armor of God. And he does it before he gets out of bed. He's the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace are on his feet, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation. He says, I try to do it before I hit the floor. We need to be dressed. Everybody say dressed for spiritual battle. Authority comes when you're under authority. No authority is given by God to anybody who cannot be under authority. Why? Because if you're not under man's authority, you will never obey God. Now, you know, my dad and my mom, they were in authority when I was raised. You know, uh, Chris and I were not the most good. That's it. (laughs) Obedient children. And I remember we used to, daddy's, daddy had a business across the street. And uh, my dad worked day and night because to provide for our family. I mean, he did. And he started a business, and he was across the street. And mother sometimes sent us to our room. I don't know why. It just was what she did. And uh, so we'd be up in that room. And we'd throw open the window, and we'd be yelling out the window stuff. You know, my mom's mean. My mom doesn't like me. My mom. And then we'd see daddy come across, open the door, and come out of his business. Man, we'd shut up, shut the window, act like nothing ever happened. And mother would say, those girls are da-da-da. Dad said, where? I didn't see anything. Nothing was happening. Well, because when we saw Daddy, we became obedient. Instantly. Everybody say instantly. My dad was a wonderful man and a loving man, but he never let us be disobedient to what he said. And we always got caught. I I know they were praying about that, and we always got caught. (laughs) Amid the unpredictability of life, Gibbs has learned that God's armor is the most important uniform of all. Listen, we are in a battle, and it may not be called the Super Bowl, but I don't know what they call it in heaven, the super-duper natural ball uh, football game. I don't know, but we are in a battle, and we are called to win. 
So we have to do what God says in order to be in that position to win this thing that we're in. And I intend to be a winner. Now, being a winner does not mean everything goes right. And uh, I, I recommend every family to get that movie War Room. We watched that here with, uh, we had a great turnout. I was so blessed because we had a lot of young people with all their babies and kids. And that just blesses me because I'm telling you, we need moms who are willing to get in that closet and by faith drag their husband in. Eventually God will get him there because he's busy out earning a living, may not see what you see. But the woman, see now you, I believe this with all my heart. We weave the atmosphere in our home. We take over. We take over. We tell the devil where to go and where to sit and where to stand and where not to be and where to be, which is hell. That's the best place for him. We bind. We loose. We take authority. We take dominion. And we hold fast to what God has said. I love that lady in there. I forget her name, but what was her name? She was Miss Clara. Yeah, she she was a dynamic grandma. I'm going to be just like that. I'm cleaning out my closet today. (laughs) I do it, but I don't have a closet yet. When Bill gets home, I'm going to empty his. He's going to be so surprised (laughs) that his clothes are gone somewhere else. (laughs) Hallelujah. I need mine. I'll have to use his. (laughs) Everybody say, no other name. There is no other name by which men can be saved. Acts chapter 4. And when Peter and John were hauled into jail, they were asked this question, by what power are you doing this? It's the same question Jesus was asking Mark. And I want you to go to Mark. Uh, I want to read this story and then we're going to close because this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. You know, it says um, that Jesus taught the Beatitudes as one having authority, not like the scribes. In other words, he didn't teach religion. He taught life. He he taught something that was powerful, that changed things. And it says that again. uh, It says that Jesus was uh, with his companions in the in the town of Capernaum. That's where Pastor Bill was yesterday. When the Sabbath came, day came, he went into the synagogue and began to preach. And the people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority. Everybody say real authority. He wasn't making pretense. He wasn't teaching something that he didn't live. He was teaching with authority because he stayed in a position where he had authority. If you read it in Hebrews, it says he was like us, a man like us, but he never sinned. He never sinned. Now, God knows that we're human. We're not we're not him. But he did say, if you sin, I'll give you forgiveness if you ask everybody say if you ask so all we have to do is ask and we're right back where we need to be but we do have to ask we do have to we do have to honor god and say we know what you say is true so when i miss it i ask you to forgive me and then i get going right again i don't sit around and meditate on that thing that i did and then it says um suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting why are you interfering with us jesus of nazareth have you come to destroy us i know who you are the devil knows the spirit of god and so when you use your authority he will back up 
he will get out of the way because he knows the authority you have. It's just when you know you have it, you can actually accomplish that. But if, you, if you're talking out of what you heard me say, it's got to be out of you. It's got to be out of your heart. And that said, Jesus cut him short. Be quiet and come out of that man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed through the man into a convulsion and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They ask excitedly. It has authority. It has such authority. What does that mean? When he spoke, what he said happened. What if you begin to pray over uh, where you work? I don't know why God just spoke this to me. Be the different one in your place of employment. God, I thank you today this place is prospering. I thank you that everybody in this place gets more money than me. I thank you, Father, that they have what they're supposed to have. Find somebody that's just been just evil acting and begin to pray that they know Jesus and that they're blessed and they find Jesus. And I don't even care if they're blessed more than me because this job isn't where I'm, this isn't where I get my money. I get my money from you, Father. So I am going to make a difference in this place. I'm taking authority over this place and Jesus is going to be Lord over this place. Amen. Amen. Jesus is going to be Lord over Target. You say, well, there's a lot of people there. Well, praise God, it'll be a bigger miracle. You know, start wherever you are, but begin to take authority. Take authority over your children. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, that's exactly what War Room was was a woman who began to take authority. And I love the scene where she goes and she chases the devil out of her house, and then she goes back in, and then she comes back out and tells him again what she thinks. I'm telling you, authority of God is powerful. It will change the lives of your children. But if we're not doing anything, if we're not in that position, then we are not being responsible. See how quiet it gets? I know God has spoken that to me. You are responsible for a lot of things. So stop thinking about yourself and get up and do something about the situation. Now, God loves me. But he isn't going to let me not do what I'm called to do. Now, if I don't do it, he'll get somebody else. He will get somebody else. Why? Because God is ready to accomplish things in this nation, in this world, in your house, with your children, with your grandchildren, uh, with anybody you have influence over. God is ready to do something. You know, this week I was so blessed. It says, in, let me finish with this scripture and then I'll tell you this. And we're going to, you can stand up. John 14, it says, in my name, everybody say, in my name, you will do greater things. It isn't, I don't believe it's that we'll do greater things than Jesus did because Jesus did the greatest of things. Raising the dead is probably about as great as it can get. But I do believe he meant, I'm going to give all of you my authority. And so what I can only do as one, you will do as multitudes. But we have to be obedient in that office that God's given us to use his name and to see those miracles. Uh, This week I was so blessed because... um, When my daughter had Molly, you know, she was kind of unexpected. You know, uh, my sister Lisa was unexpected too. Chris and I rejoiced. Mother was like beside herself. Uh, She wasn't planning on having a child around 40. And so it was a whole new thought for mother. We were so excited. We were going to have a baby to play with. You know, we didn't care. We didn't think about how much money that took or time or any of that kind of stuff. Well, when Molly came, uh, we weren't expecting Molly. And uh, my grandmother was Molly, the one that prayed for me. I'm sure why I am where I am today is because of Molly. But um, 
when Molly came, I just felt like God said, I have something special for her. And I want you to spend time with her. And I want you to be who I've called you to be with her. I want you to tell her the things. And just just let be who I've called you to be with her. Now, I didn't get to be with her as much as I wanted to be. And she has wonderful, godly parents. So it's not that they weren't doing something. It was something with Molly. And I don't know why, but last week she came to me after church. And she pulled on my thing and she said, uh, could I preach with you? I said... Now, you got to know, Molly doesn't even like to be, when people look at her, she gets real shy. I thought, preach with me. I said, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that. She said, up there, can I preach with you? And I said, well, we'll talk about it. So this week, I picked her up on Tuesday, and she's in the back seat. And, of course, we had to get her a little snack at the igloo. And then she said, Grandma, is this the Sunday I'm going to preach with you? I said, well, I don't even know for sure how I'm going to preach it, but I'll let you know. She said, okay. So then uh, I went to her house, and she got up on the table. She was sitting there looking at me. She goes, Grandma, am I going to get to on the counter? She got up on the counter right up at high level. She said, Grandma, am I preaching with you this week? And I said, well, what, what are you going to tell the people if you preach with me? She said, well, if you're sick, then you can be healed. But if you're well, go help somebody else. I thought... Well, dear Jesus, I never told her that. That isn't just Molly. There's a lot of Mollies. They're over there in that children's area. They're over here in this little clubhouse. They're in our nursery. We got a lot of babies coming. And those babies are going to speak and give praise to God. Because they're going to be under people who are teaching them to do that. And they're not afraid to do that because they see it all the time. That's my prayer. We are here and we are in authority. And I want to pray for you today in your life that you will take that authority.